Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison. I am a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me yet again, uh, for another uh, victory celebration for the San Francisco 49ers is a uh, fellow contributor at Niner Noise, uh, Chris Wilson. Chris, how are you doing this evening, sir? Keep the wins coming. Doesn't matter how bad we play, as long as we keep racking up those Ws. Doing good. We're in the midst of uh, what they call a mini bye week. So a little bit of extended time for our injured players to rehab and get back into playing condition, back on the field. Hopefully we can get as close as we can to full strength and ready to take on the Seattle Seahawks on Monday night for the biggest game of the 2019 season so far for the 49ers. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's good to have a little break uh, for the players and also for those of us who are uh, doing podcasts about the team. Uh, so we had a little time, time to uh, sort of relax and uh, now we're getting back into it. Um, after the uh, 49ers became the lone undefeated team in the NFL. Seriously, if you had money on the 49ers being the last undefeated team in the NFL, you probably made, let's say, a lot of money, uh, oodles of cash. Um, after the uh, New England Patriots lost on Sunday night, uh, the 49ers uh, overcame a late Cardinals run of points uh, to beat their division rivals on the road uh, in Arizona 28-25. Um, this was definitely the first time all season that uh, the vaunted 49ers defense has looked beatable and, in fact, was beat up upon uh, at many points throughout the game. Um, but the offense, after putting up 51 points on Sunday against against the Panthers, uh, kept on humming. They scored four more touchdowns, uh, which proved to be just enough to get the win um, against uh, the uh, sort of feisty Cardinals on the road 
on a Thursday night. And uh, it, it, to me, it's it's kind of a lot like the the Washington game where the weather was the great equalizer to me, as we sort of talked about on the podcast leading up to the Thursday night game. Uh, the short week was the sort of great equalizer, I think. Um, and and a, a lot will be seen here because uh, we get the Cardinals again pretty quickly here uh, in the week after the uh, Monday night game that's coming up. Uh, so we'll see if, if it was sort of the short weeks playing into it or if the Cardinals found something uh, in the defense that was uh, problematic that they were able to take advantage of. But uh, I think uh, I'm not terribly worried. And as you said, a win is a win. And if we won 11 more uh, games by three points for the rest of the season, uh, I believe that would still mean that they were 19-0 in Super Bowl champions, even if they just won by a three-point margin for the rest of the year. So I'd be okay with that. Um, but of course, the important moral of the story that we have learned, Chris, uh, is stop predicting blowouts. I think that's that's really what's happening here. Um, <laughs> uh, every time that we predicted a blowout so far here on the Niner Noise podcast, it has gone the other direction. Um, although, again, we got the short week and we got the strange weather situation going on. So I'm not even sure if we can sort of take full credit for it. Uh, but that, I'm going to go with that because that's what I have control over. I don't have control over short weeks or strange weather patterns, but I do have control over whether or not I predict uh, blowouts. So, uh, Chris, any sort of general thoughts on the Cardinals game at this point? First off, I'm not really sure what all this like we talk is about because I seem to remember a certain prestigious host of the Nine Noise podcast. And if you're uh, wondering which one, it's the host who is totally cool with anybody calling him baby. <laughs> uh, for the first time in the history of this podcast, I actually followed the rules. All right. You're right. You did. Okay. So it was my fault. It was my fault. All right. I apologize. So it's only fair that you take full responsibility for that game. I will. This is me. I'm taking full responsibility for the three-point victory. Oh, so you want credit for the win. That, that's it. That's it. It's my fault that we won the game. I, in, in this case, did um, did not violate the rules. I guess I, are they, I'm not sure if they're official or unofficial, but we, we generally have a no blowout prediction rule. And I predicted a reasonable two-score victory for the Niners in last week's episode. And um, <laughs> they scored by multiple points. Just Well, I guess they did score by multiple scores, like three three scores, three points. But yeah, that was about it. It was not the game that we were hoping for, not the game that we were expecting, not the not the blowout that I that I really wanted. After exhibiting extreme self control for me to no avail, <laughs> I think I'm going to go back on my normal train of injecting as much mayhem as I can into the simple segments like the one up, one down, which I turn into like a five up, <laughs> three three down segment or whatever. So something like that. Yeah. So I think that's my game plan going forward. I like it. I like it. Back to the the actual game yes if you were fortunate slash unfortunate enough to miss the 49ers cardinals game under the lights of thursday night football in a uh, a stadium that is i learned is no longer called the university of phoenix stadium and apparently hasn't been for a while i, I did not know that oh interesting i didn't know that either even though google says that it is so someone should probably do something about that like rogers or some, someone from state farm since they i'm sure they paid a pretty penny for that oh yes 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 the whole thing's mostly just surprising to me because University of Phoenix, I mean, their football team's powerhouse <laughs> within the online university <laughs> community. Yeah, they beat uh, they beat uh, what's uh, the that other one with the owl? You know what I'm talking oh, about? Oh, did they actually play games like geese? No, <laughs> this is totally. Kidding. I was going with the bit, and you just you messed it up. I was we were 
So you, you expect me to realize it's a bit just because I'm the one who's saying it. I was going to continue with it and say it to this day they remain undefeated, but also they have some true. official Madden team. It's not pretty stupid if they lost. <laughs> okay, so that's your fun fact of the day. Yeah, there we go. They do not play football, for the record, that I'm aware of. Yeah, yes, yes. It, it, it's an online online school. Yes. Well, if, if you miss the game because you were working or because... Or trick-or-treating. You're not... Yeah, trick-or-treating. Actually, yeah, that, that's a good reason. Mm-hmm. I instead just like just turn off my lights and just let people egg my house. But I know a lot of people did have to have to trick or treat during the contest. You know, I will provide a, a summary and I'll make sure to sugarcoat it for you. The 49ers were really bad. <laughs> they couldn't stop the run. Kenyon Drake went for like a buck ten, including, of course, a touchdown on the opening drive. I know shocking, right? The 49ers couldn't run the ball, averaging three point three yards a run, and they couldn't stop the pass, <laughs> particularly when the Cardinals ran hurry up offense at the end of the game. Uh, they allowed Kyler Murray the Rookie QB, rather inexperienced after a handful of games. Actually, a little bit more than a handful, which can be more than enough, depending on the individual. But back to Murray, he's played in less than two handful, <laughs> less than two handful of games <laughs> to post a passer rating yeah. over 130, and he almost pulled out a victory over the undefeated 49ers. But, my dear Niner friends, this Halloween story does have a happy ending, thanks to one man, the San Francisco 49ers, one and only Jimmy Garoppolo, who tossed 300 yards, four scores, 75% completion percentage, and a passer rating of 137. So Garoppolo finally had the game of the day that every analyst talking head has been waiting for or not waiting for so they can criticize him about after leading the team to eight straight victories, just like they do with Brady. So in the end, Garoppolo successfully silenced the haters by posting perhaps his finest game as an NFL quarterback. His game was particularly impressive because he looked a lot like his 2017 self, 2017 pre-entry self. Put the team on his shoulders because he had to. If he didn't, the 49ers would have lost the game. Just just strip, they would have. And he um, carried the 49ers to a 28-25 to 25 win over the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and other breaking news, Football Outsiders now gives the New England Patriots a 0% chance of going undefeated this season. <laughs> <laughs> that is how that works, yes. Once you lose, you, you, you're completely gone. All jokes aside, I mean, you really do have to hand it to the New England fans who like somehow continue to stick with their team, like Super Bowl after Super Bowl. Sounds awful. The stress of playing into January and February every year, it's got to take its toll. Yeah. So big thumbs up to those guys. Hard not to love it. Boston sports fan. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Ian Williams slash Chris Wilson quest for 16 and 0. And I'm thinking about making t shirts. Yeah. It continues to be a thing. All right. Yeah. Full outsiders this week currently gives the 49ers an impressive 3.8% chance of going undefeated in 2019. So you're saying there's a chance. And that reference will never get old. As long as we're young and immature enough to find it funny. Never, never, never. <laughs> or as long as we're alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's uh, not that's not a high number, but it's a number. If it's a number. And it's over zero. So that feels good, baby. It, it's it's it feels it feels about right given the strength of their of the second half of their schedule. Honestly, it's not that important in in the in the real realm of things, or at all, um, really. You know, if they're gonna go, you know, eleven and five or twelve and four and make the playoffs and win the division and if they won the Super Bowl it 
eleven and five or twelve and four. I don't think anybody'd be throwing a fit about it. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice to hold on to that hope, and we'll see. You know, maybe we I could be another couple of weeks before we have to have to worry about that again. So, all right. Um. Well, let's go ahead and move into the one up, one down section for the Cardinals game, the Thursday night football uh matchup. That was actually one of the more interesting slash watchable Thursday night games that I've seen in a while. Um, I don't know about you. Uh, I was a little annoyed because I was actually using the Amazon Prime feed to watch the game, and it was struggling at points. There were some points where it would just go in and out and in and out and in and out. But Really? Yeah, I don't know. It could have been my internet. I have no idea. Uh, but I got it nonetheless, uh, and it worked out, and everything was fine. I would have been really mad if it, wasn't, if it, if it hadn't worked. Um, and after that opening drive, it was making me even more angry because things were not going well initially. And then the Amazon thing wasn't working and I was getting very angry, but everything turned out to be okay. So, um, I'll begin with my up, even though you sort of stole my thunder a little bit. Um, and a little bummed cause I've been waiting all year to, to say this, but our, our guy finally did it. He finally got into the up category for the game. Jimmy Garoppolo, his best game is a niner for sure. Probably his best of his NFL career. He doesn't have a lot outside of, of his time as a Niner to go for. You mentioned some of the numbers. 28-37, 317, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And from what I remember, no like real moments where it was like, oh no, like he missed an interception kind of thing, which we were just kind of coming to the conclusion that he's going to throw one of those, at least one of those a game, where you're just going to kind of scratch your head and go, well, okay, well, what was that all about? I think on top of everything else, uh, he was only sacked one time in the game. They only lost seven yards on that sack. Uh, so that's good good news for the offensive line and for, for Jimmy G. Uh, QBR 95.3. The rating, as you mentioned, 136.9. Um, and he had his best game of the season, according to uh, PFF as well, who gave him an 85.9 overall grade, which is pretty good. Not quite elite, but pretty good. And most importantly, the, the eye test uh, stands out, which is really the major thing, like all those numbers and all the grades and, and those things are all great, but he just, he was just making throws, man. I mean, some of the, 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 the tosses that he was making out there were, were very impressive. My two of my favorite, um, involved, uh, the newest San Francisco Ford Niner, Emmanuel Sanders, who basically looked like he had been with his team for months and months and possibly years, but has really only been there for, what, like 10 days at that at the point when the game happened or something like that? Some small, tiny amount of time, but uh, there was some great throws that the two of them hooked up on together. There was a really fantastic anticipatory throw that, that Garoppolo made where Sanders wasn't even open when he uh, threw him the ball, but by the time the ball got there, he had said adios to Patrick Peterson and, um, and sort of made him uh, go away and then managed to get the ball. And then there was the Maybe the most impressive throw was the third down late in the game. It was the last their last drive. They needed they needed the first down to sort of ice to have a chance to ice the game. I think it, they were nearing the two minute warning, and he made a throw to Emmanuel Sanders, where it was Sanders wasn't even in the spot. He was off to the sort of to a different side of of the play, and he made a flat footed throw <laughs> with people in his face to the to a place where there was no receiver when he threw the ball, and Sanders had the presence of mind to go, oh, he's throwing the ball over there. And he went and got it, caught the first down, essentially more or less iced the game at that point. Uh, they did need to pick up one more first down, which our our, our, our boy Ross Dwelly helped out with uh, at that point. But 
Garoppolo just looked great. You know, his uh, pocket presence just seems to getting better and better every game. And um, if he can continue to play in or around like this, I think the team will be able to overcome if the defense is not as sort of mind-blowingly good as they have been through the first uh, seven games of the season. Um, I don't think they're going to be as bad moving forward as they were on Thursday night, but I, I think Garoppolo has shown he is good enough to sort of throw the team on his back if, if he needs to. And I think that's important, as you, as you noted before. Question for you. What on earth happened to Patrick Peterson? Uh, he, uh, he got, he got schooled by like everybody. Remember when he was good at football? Yeah. Emmanuel Sanders had his way with him pretty much, uh, did whatever he wanted that both of those throws that I mentioned, uh, were both with Peterson sort of covering him. Uh, the, the announcers noted early in the game that he was, he was following him everywhere. And he did a pretty decent job initially over the first couple of drives of keeping him out. But once the floodgates sort of opened up, and part of that had to do with the fact that uh, once George Kittle sort of returned to the game and uh, put his stamp on it, as it were, um, using the head of Buda Baker, uh, <laughs> he, uh, um, yeah, at that point, it felt like defensively the Cardinals sort of fell apart, and Patrick Peterson, along with most of the rest of their defense, sort of didn't know what to do from that, on, that point on. Once it became a game, they were not able to sort of keep it close, which was sort of their downfall when it all when it was all said and done. Yeah, because then they tossed him on uh, on Pettis for his one target of the game, which was like a twenty yard one twenty yard twenty one yard touchdown. Where he was just like like, like he was Pierce was like nowhere. I mean, I mean it could have just been a breakdown in coverage, but yeah, that throw was something else too. <laughs> yeah, I saw something like he had like a like a single digit catch percentage on that, like a completion percentage, like the probability on the throw with the amount of space that Pettis had between him and the sideline and yeah. sort of the angle on the throw. I don't, I, it was just, it was ridiculous, but yeah, Patrick Peterson had a, had a little rough game uh, for sure. I've never really been, been a big Peterson uh, fan. I, I think he's been a little bit overrated because of his return skills. You know, and I think that that sort of flows into well, he's also, you know, a total lockdown corner. I mean, he's a great corner. If he doesn't normally play like he did, like <laughs> he did last week, he would would be a guy that I would definitely want on my team. But maybe he's just coming back down to earth a little bit, or yeah, I, I'm not not sure if he's hurt or or what. But well, and it was only like his like third game this season, right? Because he was out. He was on. Uh, he was suspended for the first four games, right? Yeah. Of the season, so he's only three or four games into into his year. So I guess he just forgot how to maybe cover, there's cover something people going or on. something. <laughs> maybe um yeah all right chris chris you want to tell us about your up for the cardinals game first off actually just maybe one or two quick things because i'm not following the rules what i told you in, in advance so <laughs> it's, all, it's so all good this was the first time that kittle was out targeted in 2019 i believe by sanders i think he's targeted nine times to uh kittle's eight i mean of course that has something to do with the fact that kittle was injured and and now I guess questionable for this upcoming game, which would be very, very bad. But Kittle played through the pain and, and still had no problem running people over, even though he had a hard time walking around. So definitely show that he's a he's a baller. That, that, that's uh, that's, that's uh, definitely for sure. But Sanders definitely has Garoppolo's trust, and that, that's important. That's something you saw in 2017 with both Goodwin and Taylor. If it's a third down, JG will 
throw it in that player's direction and expect that player to make the play. And Sanders right now is the number one guy outside of Kittle, number one wide receiver for sure that has Garoppolo's trust, which is shocking after you know like a week and a half. Maybe uh, when we get eventually get a crock on the pod, we'll uh, ask him about Peterson and, and see what he has to say about that since he's a little bit more of an uh, authority on that matter than we are. A little bit. Yeah. One, one last thing that was extremely annoying about this game from a um, television perspective, but the Fox feed and the NFL Network feed were not synced up. Oh, interesting. Which was unbelievably annoying. So it, I was forced to like switch between them because if I was on the wrong one that was like three seconds late someone would be texting me like oh great play and i'm like what are you talking about oh <laughs> you know, that play yeah I'm, I'm like how can you not sync this up i mean i, I don't think it was a uh, an issue with my um, cable provider i think it seemed to be an issue of they're just sort of both going at their own pace so thanks television i think we have some first world problems around here right <laughs> we, we do some severe first world problems as we're talking to each other over the internet into microphones and stuff my nfl network app and my Amazon Prime and my Twitch Gosh, and my NFL I mean, Network. My and... <laughs> Amazon Prime didn't work. But I want my Niners games and I want them now. Yes, immediately, for sure. All right, so now? Now can we do your app? You're expecting me to do a one-up. Yes. And you do not want me to talk about Garoppolo. Yeah, So I'm pretty not much. sure that's possible. <laughs> Which is why I semi-stole your, your thunder before. Yeah, you did. That was actually accidental. I just, I just when I talk about Garoppolo, you know, I just, I hear the words baby in my head and I just... I just can't stop. I mean, <laughs> you just want him to call you baby. That's really all. I mean, is there anybody who doesn't? You wish you were Aaron Andrews in that moment. That's that's really what, what this was. Wishing I were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there are a couple of funny ways I can go with that, but I'm going to take a hard pass because this is a, um, yeah, it's a family podcast <laughs> and my mom's probably listening. So back to the one up, which was a challenge for sure find something positive about this game that had nothing to do with Garoppolo. And I wasn't actually able to do so. So I was thinking, okay, maybe Emmanuel Sanders. He was like 7 for that works. That works. That's good. score, I believe. You probably have the numbers in front of you. I do not because I prefer to wing it. He found the end zone on the last play of the first half. And, and, and he was just amazing on third down. He caught that dime pass from Garoppolo that you referenced where he wasn't even into his break. He was still faking the post before he went to his break. And Garoppolo's like, and I don't know if, you, if you've if you rewatched that play a few times, but he actually steps on, I think it's left tackle's uh, foot when he throws the ball. So I'm like, like, how do you even throw that pass? Like that perfectly, like you're just dropping it into his hands. It's just one of those plays that just makes me enjoy the sport. Of, of football like human beings can do things like that yeah with absolutely huge like 300 pound guys you know bearing down on them trying to trying to kill them so however i decided not to go with sanders even though he has been glorious so far um and i actually went with fox's aaron andrews and the infamous <laughs> sideline interview <laughs> so, so do you want to tell the story or is, i I, I, I can if you want this is what we're getting into i think you should tell it i only saw it like in secondary like later on i didn't watch it happen live i i, I, I studied like, it like i do all all Aaron sure Andrews things like, yeah it was part of the game film right yeah yeah i mean it, it, was, it was part of the game although it wasn't on the all 22 so I'll, I'll make this as short as possible which will be very long because <laughs> you know me so four so, hours I, later <laughs> but but I, I won't say anything about longs and ever i promise uh so, okay so a, after the game 
Aaron Andrews, who everybody knows. You know, she's e- easily one of the NFL's best sideline reporters. You know, long resume, well beyond being a sideline reporter. Um, I don't even know if that's her actual title, but you know, she goes onto the field to interview uh, Grappolo. You know, because she's the you know, main person who's going to interview whoever she wants. So she asks him a handful of questions about the game. Other, you know, good questions. It's maybe like a minute max if that's probably even like less. And she finishes the interview by asking him how being eight no feels. So Garoppolo, who's like obviously on a roll, you know, they won the game. He's eight no. First time he's played this long in a season. I mean, the guy's feeling it, and he responds, "It feels great, baby," which <laughs> may be bad to say. Yeah, to a female. I don't know about you, but when I saw it, and I don't know if you saw it at the time, but I went straight from like basking in my like undefeated glory. Well, not really. I was still angry that we didn't beat them by like forty points. But I went immediately thinking. Immediately went to thinking like, "Uh oh, like this is not going to be good." <laughs> so of course, like the video goes viral, and, and like I'm looking on Twitter, like I can't find anything about the game. It's just only about so that. Just, it's just all Garoppolo oh, saying, "Baby, yeah, and it's like, Andrews." It's like, "Oh, Aaron Andrews is pregnant now." You know, and, and then <laughs> and, and then it's and then it's like, yeah, <laughs> people retweeting it and saying, "Well, if she's not, then you can pregnant me." And it was just, it was just yeah, it was not not. It was good. very very awkward. Yes, stuff. Yes, right. And, yeah. and I, I just want to hear about how amazing my Niners are. And yeah. How great it feels to be eight and zero, baby. Well, and he, I think he at the at their press conference was it yesterday or the uh, Wednesday or Tuesday? I don't remember. He's like, I didn't really understand uh, what happened there. He's like, it wasn't. Re-, he said I was just excited, and he sort of meant it like you know, let's go, baby, like in that way. And it didn't really come out that way. Uh, and it, it kind of seemed like the end of the video, like he was gonna go back and say something to her, like, hey, well, um, just so you know, I didn't really mean it like that. And then Alfred Morris tried to kill him. Um, <laughs> not actually he he just like surprised attacked him with a like a like a man hug and and then he wasn't able to get away and so that's what happened the end of the video is possibly more awkward than than what Garoppolo said because there's just like Alfred Morris is like hey and he like gives him a big old hug it's kind of funny I think that was Garoppolo's presser today and um essentially he said that that's just the way that he talks and right. he says i can't remember what he said but how many times he says baby a day that's actually the kind of thing that i would would say actually not to her right i mean he certainly wasn't thinking about it in that regard obviously you know feeling great baby i feel like that's something that's not an uncommon thing to say and he says he says it like 100 i can't remember the number was but he listed he said the number of times like i say a hundred times like every day and i did not mean it like that like i didn't mean it like that and I, I really don't think that he did. No, I, I don't think so. But it wasn't good, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but that was your up for the day, so I'm very confused. Patience, Grasshopper. It's you just coming. wanted to talk about this, so you don't really... You're just completely off the... Going rogue. You're just completely off the up-down rails. You just want to do whatever you want. You're you're commandeering the podcast, man. What, when do I not just do whatever that's, I want? That's fair. Have you just edited it out, right? <laughs> that's that's okay um but yeah i'm gonna transition this to enough it, it's i'm it's ready get, for this it's gonna, get posi- it's gonna it's gonna end on a positive note and we'll all be smiling i'm ready and not not, not from thinking about andrews yeah so <laughs> yeah all right so back to the story which was going to be short 
So, so of course, like the video goes viral. Everyone's joking around about it, you know, saying Garoppolo was hitting on her blatantly and she was you know, blushing and speechless afterwards. Of course, I'm bearing the lead here. For those who don't know her history, like she's A, happily married. Like, sorry, everyone. And B, was a victim of these like crazy stalking incidents earlier in her career, like, like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. where essentially this like serial stalker would follow her around from like hotel to hotel along with some other women as well and and then videotape her walking around naked and then like posting the vo- the videos of her walking around naked on the internet so it's like she's been a, a victim of you know guys doing bad things <laughs> yeah so it's just all in all it's just it's just the perfect storm of, of horribleness <laughs> when we're eight and no and we just, we just we don't need anything bad we just need to, we just need to keep on going for eight more games so so ian and i will have matching t-shirts that's all i want i like it i like it you know th- these are both very key parts of the story but as you know i, I wasn't uh, selected to co-host this with you because <laughs> um storytelling skills or <laughs> my voice for radio and i think it's mostly just for i have a good face for radio I think that's what they, they told me. Was I supposed to be offended by that? I don't, I don't know. Anyway, the it feels great baby comment starts trending everywhere, and suddenly everyone forgets the fact that the San Francisco 49ers are eight zero in the first place. Which personally, I like to be reminded of like twenty four seven. I've watched the interaction like a, a lot, <laughs> <laughs> and not not for whatever whatever reason you're laughing about, but. For my in-depth analysis of this segment, because you put me in a horrible situation. Clearly. (laughs) And I'm focusing on Garoppolo, not her, by the way, which I I don't know if that, anyway, I'm just going to continue. Okay. (laughs) So so in in my personal opinion, which is not quite expert, but, (laughs) but it, but it's still my opinion and legitimate to me and my mom who's also listening. Yeah, it's pretty clear that he didn't like really mean it like that. Like he was on his post game high, and yes. I mean, he's using it as an expression. Yeah, you could tell that he he knew that he messed up as soon as he said it, because he sort of walks away and says something like, "What do you say?" Like, um, like "Happy Halloween" or something like that. And he's just like walking away, as like it's, you know, so that I don't know, she doesn't attack him or something. Yeah, you know? but it's just it's just oh, it's just so embarrassing. But in in the end, it was also good because it ended up just sort of being funny and and not the huge deal that it could have been and and that's where i am segueing transitioning to my uh, to, to, the, to the up here forever forever <laughs> dude dude let me just let me take jimmy next time Go on. okay All right. so, so, <laughs> so in in no way is this making me making like some type of social statement but in you know today's culture with me too movement you know the ongoing discussion about interactions between men and women in the workplace andrews had the opportunity to make grappo's comment into like a really big deal especially considering her past history and she took the high road instead and she's obviously a very smart person and could tell what he really meant and could tell what he didn't mean and accidentally said and wasn't offended by it and, and I, I don't know if you saw what, what Staley tweeted about it later later that night. Did, of did course you, he did. That? But, no, I did but, not. But of course he did. Yeah, because you know, stir the pot, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's only your quarterback, right? That's his, that's his job, <laughs> but, basically, at this point. Yeah, yeah. Which is why we love him. Yeah. But get back on the field, please. So Jimmy's not stepping on your foot when he's throwing beautiful passes. For sure. <laughs> All his tweet said was eight. No, feels great, baby. That's it. Because <laughs> he's a jerk. 
He's but a troll. A, jerk. <laughs> a very lovable jerk. He is. He's wonderful. I'd like to have him over for dinner and such. So, Joe Staley, if you're listening, please come to South Carolina and we'll, I'll make you burgers and stuff. Or DC. And I will not make you food because I like you. And my wife will be happy to make you food because she, she's good at it. Oh, I see what you did there. So, I'm getting to the end of it. I promise. So, so <laughs> Andrews, she retweets it with a bunch of hands clapping emojis. She's showing that she's just above all the nonsense. Instead of going the victim route, she has a little bit of fun with it and it just keeps professional. And most importantly, from a football perspective, essentially kills a story which allows Grappler to focus on football and being the Seahawks on Monday night. Right. Now that I'm, I'm well off my soapbox, if I have to choose one up from like the actual game... Yeah, that was the idea, yes. Although I was very far from pleased about the way the team played on Thursday night, there are no lemons when you're feeling good at 8 and 0, baby. So I'm going to make some lemonade here. I think the game provided a good reminder to the 49ers, you know, the players and the coaching staff, that the team is far from perfect. And particularly after getting outplayed by uh, an extremely inferior Cardinals team with a, a coach who had no idea what he was doing for a lot of the game, <laughs> and they got significantly outplayed in most aspects of the game, other than the Garoppolo factor. But when they needed him the most, Jimmy G put the, the team on his shoulders and led the Niners to victory, which you know quieted the haters with their stupid game manager. Which you can't be a game manager if you throw this many interceptions. Like that's not the way it works. Yeah, you know? like you don't know what game manager is, or you know, or system quarterback talk and all that kind of stuff. So those are all good things. My only fear is that Arizona potentially laid out like a blueprint for beating the Niners because when they ran their fast-paced office in the second half. Salah didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. And it was very, very successful. But either way, I think that the game will force the Fournier's coaching staff to stay on top of their game and not get complacent. After that game, they need to go back to the drawing board and figure out how to fix that issue that they were a part of in the second half. Yeah. Because they definitely face a significantly more difficult second half to the season. And I'm done. <laughs> okay. Well, well, thanks, Chris. That is the sort of uh, hard-hitting analysis that people come to the Niner Nerds Noise podcast for, is the, uh, the post-game interview analysis stuff. We'll uh, be adding that segment to the podcast from here on out, uh, the post-game analysis section. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I, I mean, I totally agree with you on, on pretty much everything. This was, uh, this was certainly one of those, like, quote-unquote, potential trap games, and it almost turned out that way anyway. But the good news is that it kind of worked out like a trap game, but they still won it, which is bizarre. Um, but that's the way you want it to work. Uh, you'd like it to be closer against a team you should be beating up on, and then you go, oh, whew, man, we almost didn't survive that one. Let's figure out why that happened. So um, so speaking of which, uh, I'll go ahead and move on to my down. Um, I'm going to put you on a timer for your down, for sure. Make sure you don't <laughs> have another long uh, dissertation there. But... Um, so I mentioned uh, last time out that my down was uh, the run defense. And uh, against the Panthers, it was sort of comparatively the run defense was down. This week, the run defense was definitely down. Um, the passing defense wasn't great, but a really a lot of the numbers from the passing defense were inflated by that long touchdown pass uh, to Andy Isabella. And they were really fairly pedestrian numbers other, otherwise. But Kyler Murray got his uh, Kenyon freaking drake who'd been with the team for all of like 10 minutes uh ran all over the team you mentioned this earlier he put, had numbers uh 
that were uh, disturbing. The underlying uh, statistics as well are also not particularly good. Um, PFF gave the defense a overall grade of 46.5, which is no bueno. Uh, and they gave their run defense a 35.9, which is even lower than that. So 46.5 is no bueno, then 35.9 is worse than no bueno. Um, but the bigger issue was the tackling. They actually have been a sort of mediocre tackling team, according to PFF, their most of the year. Uh, if you look at their overall tackling numbers, they're sort of like lower middle tier uh, in the NFL. But it was like abysmal on Sunday or on Thursday. And I think that led to a lot of the, the running game issues that they weren't be able to sort of, even when they had the play read correctly, they were having difficulty bringing the ball carriers down. So their tackling grade was at 33.8. And yes, those numbers are going down. Um, so none of those things are good, uh, especially uh, what they have coming up sort of next on the schedule. Um, Seattle's run game isn't really particularly frightening. It has its its moments, but it's really built in very similar ways to, to the Cardinals' run game in that they're heavily dependent on a quarterback who has the ability to escape uh, outside the pocket, and they have some decent running backs. But the 49ers have already shown that they're capable of stopping the run um, they just need to tighten things up moving forward regardless because they have other running backs that they're going to have to worry about like Alvin Kamara and uh, Aaron Jones for the Packers and uh, they get you know the Rams again and they have they have the Rams again, they have the Cardinals again, they have the Se Seahawks twice. So there's some running back issues they're going to need to pay attention to. Um, and I mean, frankly, it's been the, the weaker part of their defense pretty much through most of the season. Um, but if there's going to be a sort of overall breakdown, um, the run defense is going to need to to step up in a lot of ways uh, for that to continue to stay strong. Um, so, Chris, thoughts on that? First off, when I heard that Drake was going to start this game, I immediately picked him up off the waiver wire and started him in one of my fancy leagues because <laughs> I knew that he would at least be good enough for 40 yards and a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. And guess what he did? Four yards and a touchdown on the opening drive of the game. So thank you for that, Salah, because I just knew that opening drive would, would be enough to to make up for my uh, my guys who were out on by. Downs. Well, everything other than Jimmy G was a down. But the big downs were the Quan Alexander injury, our top free agent linebacker, probably top line, linebacker, lone veteran, is out for the rest of the season, which is quite unfortunate. And... You know, we had some heated discussions over at Niner Noise this week about whether Quan Alexander was an issue in the, the tackling area. I, I really don't think he's as big of a tackling problem or problem tackler <laughs> as PFF makes him out to be. And then also the George Kill injury. I mean, he got hit in the knee, and I think Shanahan said today that you know, he has some issues with the knee that are going to continue. It's, it's not the kind of situation that's just just going to rectify itself and you know we know that Kittle plays through injury like he has in every one of his seasons so I'm sure he'll do that if he's capable but he is I think now questionable for the game on uh, Monday night which is yep. not a good thing but for my official down I'm gonna have to reference Garoppolo again <laughs> yeah the only person I want to talk about it, it, it's pretty clear He's definitely bailing out some of Shanahan's early down play calling. As you know, on first down, the 49ers run the ball more than any NFL team. And if you watch any broadcast, they tell you that. 
well, they don't have a very good success rate doing this because teams don't generally have a very good success rate. And if teams know that the run is coming on a first down, then they will stop it. So in week nine, so last week, their running success rate was dead last in the NFL, where their passing success rate was fourth in the NFL. But they kept on running the ball because that's what Shanahan does. I believe that he's doing it because they, they do have a high percentage of uh, explosive plays uh, on the ground on first down. So I, I'm assuming that's the reason behind him doing so. But it's not successful majority of the time. And the only reason why the 49ers are moving the ball is because Garoppolo is killing it on third down. The 49ers were best in the NFL on third down through the air and uh, on the ground. They had a 65% success rate against the Cardinals. 9 to 15 through the air. I dug into it a little bit. I mean, a lot of it last night. Last night, If you look at my Twitter timeline, <laughs> I think you saw me posting some of that uh, stuff on Twitter. So this year, Garoppolo's converted over half of his third down dropbacks, which, which obviously leads the NFL. So half of the time that Garoppolo goes back to pass on third down, no matter the distance, and no matter if he's you know, throwing one of his stupid screen passes that he knows is not going to work or if he gets sacked over half of the time the 49ers are moving the, the sticks and that's allowing Shanahan to do what he does on on early downs and I think there needs to be some more analysis as to whether what he's doing on early downs is good for the team or not I, I would I would believe that it's not <laughs> that being so unsuccessful in those type of situations is is a negative and it's going to cost you. I mean, running the ball is less beneficial for the team than throwing the ball. That's just sort of like an established fact. You know, throwing the ball is going to net you more points per play than running the ball. And it's been that way for a long, long time. And some coaches like Schottenheimer from the uh, Seahawks doesn't realize that probably. The Niners really need to be running the ball for their explosive plays because they have very, very fast running backs and then setting it up for the pass. But over the last couple of games, including this last game, it seems like it's just run, 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 and it's not been successful. And then it's, okay, Jimmy, can you bail us out? The other reason why the whole game manager you know, system quarterback thing is, doesn't make any sense to me and, and wouldn't be said by somebody who actually looks at the stats because this offense is running through him. And even though he doesn't have the big numbers, but he is getting it done when he needs to get it done. And he's allowing Shanahan a lot of leeway to do what he wants. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I'm not sure. But, I mean, moving the sticks is definitely a good thing. And when I was digging into it last night, league averages over the last four years is 36% of quarterback dropbacks on third downs lead to first downs. And no team has reached 50%. So he's doing it over 50% now. He's particularly killing it on third and intermediate which I was shocked, and it was a little late, so I had to look at it and go away and look at it again and then run it again, and I'm like, is this for real? But between third and sixth and third and nine, he's moving the sticks on 68% of his drawbacks. Basically, it's like Shanahan, run the ball the middle twice, get one yard, 68% of the time Garoppolo is going to give you a first down. I mean, that's just that's just not fair. <laughs> Shanahan's already a great Offensive coordinator, in my opinion. Obviously, he has his deficiencies, but I mean, Grappler just really allows him to do whatever he wants on early early downs. Just the fact that he's, he 
so efficient on third downs. It's like unbelievable. So it just gives Shanahan a lot of latitude because he knows his quote-unquote game manager is going to bail him out in the end. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too bad that Garoppolo is no good at football, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. At least uh, some of that's been uh, quieted down this last week. So eventually getting into the down. Shanahan still doesn't take advantage of, of these third and long opportunities. So 49ers are third in the NFL in converting pass plays on third and, and 10 or, or more. They've thrown the ball 15 times and with five conversions, which you know doesn't sound fantastic, but you know when you're dealing with, in some situations, third down and 20-something, you know, when you're uh, converting it 33% of the time, it's great. But yet they're dead last converting when they run the ball on third and long. They have not converted one, and they've attempted 10 more than any other team in the NFL. So I don't know what they're doing. But Shanahan's essentially giving up on most of the Niners' third and longs. I think that the 49ers have room to grow. So even though it's a down, you know, it's something that can be, if it's addressed, converted into a, into an up. So that's it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and even the, uh, I mean, the, the big talk this week is about, and we sort of alluded to this, that players like uh, Joe Staley, Mike McGlinchey, Kyle Juszczyk, are all looking to be on track to play this week, and um, Akella Witherspoon not particularly far behind. Um, I think he's uh, on track maybe for Arizona, Green Bay, somewhere in that time frame. Uh, Jalen Hurd is uh, potentially going to be able to have his practice window opened. Whether or not, I don't. I would be shocked if he sees the field. I imagine they'll open up his practice window so that he can. Uh, get some reps in, but I would be just absolutely surprised if he sees any playing time this year. But uh, the good news is, and uh, Matt Breida alluded to this uh, yesterday, I believe, or today, um, they have not played their best football yet. Um, they've had some good games, um, and I think you could certainly argue that like the Cleveland game and the game against the Panthers were good overall team wins, but they haven't strung those types of things together yet. There's Always, you know, the Cleveland game is followed by, was it the, the Washington game that was the game after that or something like that? Or, or a situation like this where you play uh, just the, a barn burner against the Panthers and then you go on the road and on a short week and you, you, it's not laying an egg, but you didn't play as well as you probably should against a significantly inferior uh, Cardinals team. So, yes, they're 8-0. Yes, they haven't lost this season but the fact that they still have room to get better is very encouraging (laughs) and makes me think that this is not going to be like they're going to win nine games because they're going to lose you know seven out of their last eight games kind of thing that they're going to be competitive from here on out and they're going to be in good shape so um all right let's uh move quickly on to the final uh little section where we uh to preview the monday night football game against uh as i refer to them uh, the Seattle fight and Russell Wilson's. Um, and I, I think a lot of the things that we're going to talk about will explain why it is that I've called them that and not by their actual team name. Um, so Chris, uh, what is the thing that worries you most about this game? Cause as you alluded to, um, this is probably truly the best and most, uh, significant test of the season so far. Uh, so what is it that worries you most about this game for the 49ers? First off, that the 49ers are playing the Seahawks, <laughs> and San Francisco has not fared well 
against their NFC West foes over the past handful of years. <laughs> that would probably be number one. But number two is and getting a little, little more analytical. The Seahawks are just finding a way to win this season when they shouldn't be. <laughs> They're seven and two, but they only have a plus 18 point differential. So they've scored 248 points and they've allowed 230 points. Plus they played an extra game. Whereas the Fournars have, have scored 235 points and they've allowed not 230, but 102 points for a 133 point differential doing the math here like i keep mistyping it because it because because like, like 201 102 and my stats are coming out all wrong you gotta check it and check it i was like like it's just crazy yeah and a lot of that just came from this last week too so one, one thing the seahawks can't really say is that they've played you know far superior opponents to the 49ers because they've played the same opponents as the 49ers they played you know, cincinnati they played pittsburgh played Arizona, Arizona was the one game where they actually, I think they'd be in like by 17 points or something like that. And then the Rams, and they play Cleveland, and then they just played Tampa Bay. So other than the Arizona game, every one of those other games was a tight game that they easily could have lost, maybe which they should have lost, and they're all, all one-score wins. The Cardinals are the only team that they didn't struggle to beat. It's been a totally different story when the Niners have, face these teams they've definitely not played the kind of football where they're you know these games are coming down to the wire against most of those teams other than arizona and, and pittsburgh i mean they're just annihilating teams to the point where they have their backup quarterback in and people are yelling at each other on the sideline and everything you'd you'd want out of a um you know out of a top tier team but but yet seattle keeps winning football games and the same thing happened this last week tampa Bay goes up by a couple of scores and it's you know I have no question that Seattle is going to win the game, and then it gets down to the end, and then Seattle botches a, you know their um, field goal and 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 the game, and I'm, it goes overtime, and I'm like they're going to win this game, like they're, like that's just what Seattle does. So what does Seattle do? They just go down the field and they win the game. It's it's just that's just what they do. And Wilson is he's no Aaron Rodgers, but he is especially this season. He just keeps winning games that he shouldn't win. As for the uncommon opponents, Seattle's played. A couple very difficult teams, New Orleans and Baltimore, which they both lost to. And then they got to play Atlanta, who's one of the worst teams in the league. So they did have the advantage of doing that. Well, and they struggled with them too. It wasn't a, <laughs> that wasn't an easy one either. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, they beat them by um, by just, uh, just one, one score, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then um, 49ers played Carolina, who's a... A team that's um, has playoff aspirations and you know, annihilated them, <laughs> and then they played Washington, where if it were played on a regular football field or in my backyard, and not a slip and slide, yeah, yeah, another game where they just likely would have annihilated them, and and the uh, the point differential would have been even higher than it is. So I went ahead and um, and did some math because math is fun. And looked at the Pythagorean win expectation. Um, in case you're not, not you personally, but in case some of our listeners are not familiar with it, it's basically mathematical equations that a handful of people have um, sort of stolen from uh, from baseball uh, sabermetrics and, and tried to, to convert it to football. And these equations try to project a, a team's number of wins based on their point differential. 
and they use the point differential because of the strong correlation between the two variables. So essentially, the amount of points you score compared to the amount of points that your opponents score over the course of a season is generally going to tell you how many games you're going to win in that season. If you're in a situation where it's over a game difference or it's a two or three game difference, it's, it's you know, f- you know fairly abnormal. So went ahead did, and did that and ran the numbers using a, a couple of the different equations, but came out with generally the same results each time. And and those results were in the the uh, nine games that Seattle's played so far. The um, average was four point nine. So based on the number of points they've scored compared to the number of points that they've allowed, they should have won four point nine games this year. So basically, not quite as good as five and four, and that you know equates to a eight point eight wins over the uh, of the course of the season. So just under nine and seven as a expected final record uh, for San Francisco in eight games it was 7.1 and I think the, re- the reason being is it's really extremely difficult to get you know, a perfect record because you basically have to like not allow the other team to score at all so you know seven seven and one is is uh you know extremely extremely high you usually you get everybody is sort of um push towards the middle and everyone's 10 and six when you, you, know, you think that ah, this seems probably gonna be 12 and four. Yeah, so so seven and one, uh, seven point one, you know, seven a little bit better than seven and one, and then that'd be four, fourteen point one wins over the course of the season. So, you know, better than a fourteen and and two expected overall record. So, you have two teams that are playing at what appears to be different levels, but their their wins uh, totals are not that different. And given the fact that Seattle's had the 49ers number over the past five years or so. That, more than anything else, worries me about this game, that, that Wilson's going to be in a position where he is going to sort, sort of like the Aaron Rodgers every time he plays the Cowboys. <laughs> if, he's, if he's within a touchdown, you might as well just, uh, just give him the ball and just let him run the end zone because you know, you know how this game's going to end. So I, just, I, I don't want a situation like that. I want the 49ers pass rush not to play games like they did last uh, last game and go after Wilson you know don't don't play the spy game like attack him and and catch him in the backfield and sack him I think if they are successful doing so then they will come out victors in this game but uh, if they don't and they start playing games and and they uh, don't game plan properly in my opinion then um yeah it, this could be a difficult one and i i, I just i don't want to be going into you know, the final minutes of the, of the fourth quarter with the niners having a, a lead less than seven points and russell wilson having the ball with his vitamin water or whatever <laughs> his special powers are yeah his bubbles that's the one, one thing that worries me more than anything else in the game but the, the one great thing is that all they want to do is just run the ball in the middle of the so hopefully they'll just even out in the end yeah that'd be good um yeah i'm pretty much with you on on basically the only thing about this team that worries me is is russell wilson um because they they had their struggles with with kyler murray last last week um and russell wilson is a souped up more experienced version of kyler um in a lot of ways um but the big thing that he is doing as you sort of alluded to with all the math there is that he is overcoming the deficiencies of his team Way better than pretty much any player in the league, which is why he's essentially the front runner for the MVP going into the uh, the second half of the season. Um, 
just as a point of example, uh, his offensive line has been, according to PFF, the fifth worst in the league this year uh, with a 54.9 grade. But somehow, the team has a 90.9 passing grade, which is tops in the NFL. I do not know how those numbers work because those two things don't seem to match up. So that's got to be all Russell Wilson. They're not blocking. They're not protecting him. They're not taking care of, of him at all. Um, and more numbers than just that sort of support this idea. Uh, football Outsiders, DVOA, they're the 20th uh, in pass blocking efficiency. Um, so basically what he is doing is his offensive line can't block. And frankly, I feel like we've been talking about this with the Seahawks for like five or six years now. Um, is they, it, This is a problem they seemingly are unable to solve. Um, and he's masking even more than he has in recent years the just massive inefficiency that they have and a massive deficiency that he have, they have on offensive line. Um, to make this even more interesting, uh, their starting center, Justin Britt, is already out with a torn ACL. Um, and the uh, pact- practice report for Thursday, um, his backup, Joey Hunt, uh, went, didn't practice with a hip injury. Uh, so they may be down to their third string center, which could be fun. Uh, for DeForest Buckner and company, uh, and they're starting tackle Dwayne Brown, who was you know supposed to solve some of these problems when they traded for him from the Texans uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, he also missed practice on Thursday with two injuries. Are you ready for this? This is amazing to me. He missed his two injuries were a bicep and a knee. Was it on the, on, on the same play? I I'm not really sure. <laughs> How that's a th- Was he breakdancing or something? I don't know, but he that's what he's listed as. He's it says did not participate did not participate in practice. The injury is biceps and knee. I'm not really sure how one hurts how one injures both of those things at the same time. Uh I mean that's a bummer because that means your arms struggling and your legs are struggling. You're just a you're just a mess at that particular point. Um but yeah, so their offensive line is a mess. As you said, hopefully the 49ers will take advantage of that as they did not as effectively as they should have um, against the Cardinals. Um, Now, to even sort of go into more detail about Russell Wilson masking things, um, he's also their best runner. Um, He's their best running back, according to PFF. He has a run grade of 75.2, which would be a little bit, which would be the best on the team by a couple of points. Um, Not terribly surprising there as their running back group is, you know, they're okay. Um, But his offensive line, according to Football Outsiders, is 23rd as run blockers. Um, So he, and, you know, to a certain extent, the running backs are are doing a a decent job of masking the weaknesses there as well. So the long and the short of this is if Wilson wasn't on this team, they would be a bad football team. Uh, You mentioned all the close games, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, the Rams, the Browns, uh, the Falcons, the Bucks uh, last week. Those are probably all losses if he's not on this team. So instead of a seven and two team, you're looking at a one and eight, maybe, but or maybe something more along the lines of what you're talking about. At most, we're talking three, four, maybe five wins without with is what they should be. But without him, they're probably even worse. And that's sort of my scientific sort of way of looking at it. And so, if you keep him under control, then you then the team should be able to win this game without even a, a without even a problem. Uh, whether or not uh, that comes to fruition, I do not know. But um, yeah, 
All right, so we are we are uh, just chatty today. Um, <laughs> so let's go ahead and move. We? Well, <laughs> I was trying to be diplomatic. Uh, <laughs> let's go ahead and move into the predictions for uh, the game on Monday night. Um, as I alluded to earlier, I don't want to jinx this, um, and so I'm just going to avoid going too big. Uh, I think it was big. Uh, it was an important thing that the 49ers got over the losing streak to the Seahawks last season. Uh, in the infamous, oh no, we lost Bosa game. And then we didn't lose Bosa, so that all worked out. Um, <laughs> thanks, Cardinals. Uh, I, I think this game is going to be closer, maybe. Um, I don't think Seattle's defense is very good this year. Um, they have some pretty massive deficiencies in a lot of places. Um, I think uh, the 49ers are, should be able to control the, the game. I wrote something for Niner Noise. Uh, the other day about how they're going to need to to run the ball. Um, first of all, because they're still pretty good at it as long as they figure out how to do it creatively. Uh, second of all, the Seattle's defense is sort of eh, at stopping the run. And my major reason was, hey, if we run the ball, we control the clock, which means Russell Wilson you know, gets to chill on the sideline for most of the game, which is where we need him to be. Um, so I think... Uh, the 49ers having the superior offense on the whole, removing Wilson from the equation, and being the superior team, if the defense can bounce back, I think they should be in good shape. So I'm going to go 28-21 49ers. But I feel perfectly comfortable with saying that out loud, but maybe thinking something else. Uh, Chris, what do you think? I'm glad you didn't actually say the actual score out loud. So maybe we actually have a chance of... of blah this week so appreciate that but wilson is definitely mvp candidate personally i i'm, I'm more of a uh, christian mccaffrey fan but as we know you know running backs are really really recipients in that in that area and um you're right he's definitely the best running back as well as the best quarterback on the team he's, he's actually for once not, not not the best wide receiver especially with the uh, locket he was one player i just did not see coming like I just didn't imagine that he would just be able to be thrust in that number one role and, and play as well as he has played so far this year. I think it's like over 750 yards so far this year. It's, it's like six touchdowns, I think. It's pretty crazy. And then DK Metcalf has been running a lot more routes over the last uh, last couple of weeks. So, you know, they have, they have a you know, the, the, the potential for two very, very fast receivers who – you know, lock it with the good hands, Metcalf with 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 the not so good hands, but with with, with the size, and then of course the, uh, the the new addition this week that we may or may not see. Um, I mean, they could have a, a half decent uh, passing attack, but Chris Carson's not a very good running back, to put it lightly. But it doesn't mean that they're not going to run him over and over and over because they will. But w- once they get into the red zone, then it's it's all. Uh, it's all Wilson time, and, and that's one of the reasons why his uh, his passer rating is so high and a lot of stats are so high. I, I think he actually has as many touchdowns on the ground as as Carson does, and pretty much when they get in the red zone, they're just, they're, they're throwing the ball and, and they're completing short touchdowns to to Lockett and Metcalf and Will Disley players like that. You know, I think it's a, li- a little bit slanted because of that, but I mean you can't argue that Russell Wilson isn't having a, a fantastic year and. And 
I definitely can't argue that he hasn't won me a couple of games in a couple of my fantasy leagues. So he's definitely a player that needs to be stopped. And if he is stopped, then the Fortnite will will certainly uh, certainly win this game. So to my prediction, since I've just gone absolutely rogue uh, this <laughs> entire podcast, and we'll continue to do so today, and then it's your brand, uh, yeah, yeah my, my brand, and then I'll, I'll get back on course next week. Promise. Recent history between these two teams: one and nine over the last ten games. Not good. Foreigners win last December, like you said, I think it was very, very important for the team because it just got them over that hump and it was a game that Seattle had to win, really. I mean, it was, it was a must-win game and it almost knocked them out of the playoffs. I didn't, they had to win out for the rest of the, uh, the season just to, to get a wildcard spot. And I think they had to beat a, a pretty good team in Dallas or something like that to, to do it as well. But then one thing that, I, again, late last night, I had to check like three or four times to make sure that I was seeing this is right. That in the 49ers' last 10 home games, they are six and four against the Seattle Seahawks. Like I said, this is a pro football reference thing that I was looking up yesterday when I was looking up the game. So feel free to check it because it was late last night. But that six and four number is was surprising to me. And and I know that Seahawks have played extremely well on the road this year. They haven't really had that home field advantage that they've had in uh, in past seasons but i like them coming to uh levi stadium which will be jam-packed and very very loud i'm sure on a monday night so so line's been pretty consistent nine or six i think it was up to six and a half right before i checked the podcast but uh, um a lot of the bets are on the seattle side so it's a good sign over-unders moved up a couple points from 44 and a half to the 46 and a half a little bit higher than that so you know they're expecting Sort of like a 26-20 game. So I'm going to go with a little bit larger of a victory for the 49ers and go with a 31-20 to victory for San Francisco. So we are not going to allow Russell Wilson the chance at the end of the game to stage a late make-me-cry comeback. And we're going to show Seattle who is the best team in the NFC West. I like it. I like it. Yeah, in my mind, the 28-21 is kind of like, it's not really actually that close. It's like 28-14 most, like, and then it's like late garbage time touchdown for Seattle to make it look closer than it is kind of thing. That's that's the way I prefer that number to work out. Otherwise, I'm really much in favor of your of your situation because uh, the ending of that game on Thursday night did, was not was not pleasant. Uh, for sure, but um, cool. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think uh, hopefully it should be an entertaining game and entertaining in all the best ways, not in all the negative ways, for sure. Um, well, uh, ladies and uh, gents out there in uh, Niner land, uh, thanks for listening to the Niner Noise podcast, uh, part of the Fansided Podcast Network. Uh, please check us out on your favorite podcasting platform, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and all those good uh, places and if you would leave us a nice review and share uh, the podcast with all your 49er fan friends um, so let's uh, get ourselves ready uh, for the upcoming Monday night game and uh, we will see you next week Niner fans hopefully to celebrate 9-0 and have a good one
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.